0: The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. I'm going to start by praying for us and giving thanks for God's amazing creation, mothers. I was thinking, um, I got ready for the sermon this week, which we're taking a quick break from Psalms of Ascent to um, just celebrate the way God made mothers and how we all can learn from that. And I was thinking how um, mothers are sort of like God's Swiss army knife invention. You know, they're, they just kind of can do a little bit of everything, and uh, and I, maybe that's the multitasking that uh, men just don't seem to be able to do, but um, we are so grateful for all the mothers here, and uh, and I hope you know that. I hope you know you're so loved. I think all of us, and I know my mom, who is um, playing the keyboard this morning, um, she has such a tender heart, I think, oftentimes, that she is more aware. I think moms can often be more aware of the things they think they could have done better. Um, but I think what we'll see today, uh, even in the story of Mary, is just how, um, just the unique role God has given moms and how uniquely it represents the person of Jesus. Uh, God to us, God for us, God with us. So uh, pray with me and mothers know just we are so thankful for you. God, we, we call you Father. Uh, this is how we're taught to pray, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father is in heaven. You are holy, hallowed be your name. Um, And yet we see in you a motherly heart also. We know in your creation of men and women, uh, you created men and women to co-equally represent your image, your heart, your caring, always giving heart. I pray that the moms today will just feel so loved, uh, both by those that surround them, Just again, hear your word to them, grace upon grace, your word to them, just saying, well done. God, I pray for for the moms that I know give so much, so much love. I pray that they will just feel their hearts filled up today. And for the moms that we get to be around I pray that we will go out of our way, Uh, even feel called and empowered by your spirit today to just love them super well. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I think mothers, more than any other person, kind of person, uh, represent to me, um, the invasion of personal space. Not just that mothers, it's their job to invade your personal space, (laughs) but they allow their personal space to be invaded in a way that I don't know if any other person experiences. Now I'm gonna start by talking about things that are way out of my depth. Things I don't understand, things that are still mysteries to me. I just call them universal mysteries. I don't think we know how it happens, really. You know, but uh, when a man loves a woman, I just, so <laughs> Marshall's like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, I think we last week we talked about you know kids getting weaned. So I just we're gonna lean in, and we're um, <laughs> in all seriousness though. The invasion of personal space that for a child to be growing inside of you and literally feeding off of you, it's crazy. And there is no other invasion of personal space like that. We do not have a a better example of the invasion of personal space. And And we know it... It doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. For, for, a, for a mother to say really the, what we're going to say, call the unconditional yes of motherhood, it can't be part way. And in our culture, we live in a culture that, that tries to, to make conditional yeses. I will say yes this far. I will say yes this much. I will say uh, yes to this, but not this. Motherhood really is this unconditional yes, that that there will be extreme needs that only you are able to meet in the life of a child. Only you. An unconditional yes for this. And the amazing thing for this yes of motherhood, but for all of us saying different yeses in our life, God knows exactly what he has asked you to do. And for mothers, I know there's probably very specific examples of that, but for all of us, we've been called to do something, invited to do something, to be part of God's story in a way that we are just invited to unconditionally say yes to and God knows exactly what he is asking us to do. This is important. It's not like there's a part of this plan that that God just neglected to think about. That you're going through something, God's like, oh, didn't, didn't see that one coming. He knows exactly what he's asked you to do. Even when we think this could not be a part of the plan, when things get too stressful, things get too hard, severe, painful, you name it, God knows exactly what he is asking you to do. So much so that God, in all his wisdom, made himself dependent on the unconditional yes of motherhood. It's amazing. He made himself dependent on the unconditional yes of motherhood, he made himself dependent on Mary and her response when he visited to let her know that she would be the mother of the savior of the world. And that's what we're gonna look at today. What does it mean for Mary? And how can we learn from Mary who really said, it seems like the ultimate unconditional yes. So this is how the story goes. Luke chapter one, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent. I just, I I didn't say this first gathering, but I love that they named the angel. When he got his name, who knows, but it's pretty cool. That was just a side note. He was sent from, do you guys not think that's cool? Isn't that awesome? Gabe. I wonder if he's Gabe in heaven. You know, like, probably probably. was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So, the first two verses here, uh, 26 and 27, uh, though they are short, they really just give us a sense of the normalcy of Mary's life. She is a young girl and she's planning to get married. And And me and Hannah are in the midst of this right now, planning a wedding. And, and there's, you know, there's stressors in there, but there's also just nothing that kind of feels more normal, then, like, okay, we're gonna, you know, we have a community loves us. They're all excited. Uh, we're gonna invite all the people who are close to us that have just walked through life with us, and now, now they're gonna come, and we anticipate this day together. And that, that's where Mary's at in life. All these people who all are knowing this certain day they're gonna get married. That's the context, the normalcy, and so then something very abnormal happens, which is an angel shows up and tells Mary about other plans. And so the, Mary, the angel comes to her and he says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, first I want to point out that um, Mary had one, no idea that the angel was coming. And, and there's no way that for an angel to show up that it is like, Oh yeah, hey, an angel showed up. Like for an angel to show up, it is a big deal, okay? Like I, I could just imagine the angel as it prepared to come to her. Like he goes greetings, right? But I wondered how many times in front of the mirror the angel was like, greetings, Mary. No, greetings, Mary. You know, and he just practiced and he came and then because you know, you should, when an angel shows up, it's not normal. Okay, think about it this way. We talk about angels on Sunday mornings, right? If you mention an angel out of the context of Sunday mornings, you are a weirdo. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I'm talking about angels right now. If on like Tuesday, I was like, hey, Megan, I think an angel visited me last night. It's seemed to be like, How? <laughs> like, what's the content? Like, come to, you know, and, and so there's this thing. We have this, like, language on Sunday mornings that is kind of hard to translate into our week sometimes, right? Like, this, for heaven to meet, meet earth, for the supernatural to invade the natural, on a Sunday morning is like, yeah, that happened. Yeah, Gabe. Gabe showed up. You know, but, but during the week, we're like, no, no way. Like yeah, it really couldn't have happened. But for Mary, while she responded, it says being troubled, and and for Mary, she is someone who we learn is someone who takes seriously the the word of God. And so when when the angel shows up to her and says, Greetings, oh favored one, the Lord is with you. She's greatly troubled, but she's also, it says, trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And so she is someone who takes so seriously the word of God, so much so that Sunday language isn't just Sunday language, it's the language of her life. That the angel comes and he says, Mary, you're favored. And she's like, man, what can this mean? Do you have different languages? Does the word of God mean different things to you on different days or, or are you would you be able to with a supernatural word from God, be able to go, man, God, I'm just here. I just, I'm trying to understand what you're, what you're giving me here. And now twice the angel tells her 28 and then down here in 30, he calls her favored one. And I think this gives a window into Mary's life and understanding her response that she is ready to grapple with this incredible message from an incredible messenger from God for her favored one. What does that mean? Now I think what, what it means we kind of get a glimpse into it in, in uh, Isaiah 66 verse two. And this is what it says. Isaiah 66 verse one is just talking about the Lord's creation of the heavens and earth and everything in them. And then verse two, it says all these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be. Now, God is declaring this. He's going, the heavens and earth, everything, I made them. I I literally just, my hands shaped them. And then it goes from this cosmic scale down to this. But this is the one to whom I will look. And, And the little translation is, this is the one in whom my favor rests. In whom And what the angel is saying to Mary is what is being said here. God's saying, I look on one with favor who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. So what we can know about Mary is that she is this person, that it wasn't God just showing a grace upon grace to Mary, which he is, but not in the way that a lot of us receive favor. We just don't deserve, right? A lot of us are like, dang, I'm really glad he loves me in this way because I don't deserve it. Mary, being humble, didn't think she deserved it. But what the angel is telling her is you are favored because you are this person. Like literally, you are humble, Mary. You are contrite. You tremble at the words of God. You're going to take seriously what I'm saying to you. And God knows that. And that's why I'm having this conversation with you. And I think that's good to know, because I think sometimes we have this view of grace, like doesn't matter what, you can just be a hellion and God just Whatever. No, like what we get in Mary is God saying, you are favored because you are humble. You are contrite in spirit. And Mary, you, you're going to take seriously my word. Isn't that beautiful? Like, don't let grace wreck the ability for you to experience God's favor in a unique way because you tremble at his word. Right, And so Mary's ready. And as she receives this, uh She then responds later in a song, and and you can see this coming out of her, this humble, contrite spirit. So if we go back to Luke, Luke 1, this is Mary's song. She responds to God's favor towards her in this way. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. You hear that? Humble, contrite, trembling at his word. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he is mighty and has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich. He has sent away empty. He has... Helped his servant Israel, in remembrance of his mercy is spoken to our Father Abraham and his offspring forever. This song is known as the Magnificat because of these words. My soul magnifies the Lord because she is the definition of isaiah sixty six two she is humble and contrite and trembles at the word of the Lord. What is humility? I think the the best definition i've heard is uh, by c s Lewis of humility he says um, Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. So it's not like, oh, I'm just the worst person ever. It's just not being consumed with yourself. How do you do that? This might be one of the biggest mysteries. This may be what you take away with you. How do you not be self-consumed? My soul magnifies the Lord. Blessed is the Lord. He is considered the humble state of his servant. But for generations, they will call me blessed because my soul, it magnifies the Lord. I'm just so excited about who he is. I'm just not, I'm not caught up with myself all the time. I'm not just thinking, you know, how beautiful, how pretty and how I could be successful and whatever. I'm not thinking about those things. I'm thinking about him. And, And so when the angel comes to him, Mary's heart is ready to receive that because she's not thinking like, she's not so wrapped up in her wedding plans that when the plan of God comes, it's going to really shake things up. She's not like, Oh, one condition that my plan can continue on as it is. And you can just add on to that. No, that's not an unconditional. That's a conditional. Yes. Right. And how many of us do that? Like we just, our five-year plan solid. So we're like, God, you like, I see a couple really convenient gaps where you can fit in. Uh, (laughs) But besides that, I'm going to be Osman awesome five years. So I just need you to work with me on that. That's not Mary. Mary's planning a wedding. That's a big deal. But when God comes, when angel shows up to give her the word of the Lord, she's ready to receive it. So um, back to uh, earlier in Isaiah. Uh, if we can skip to the next slide, that'd be great. The angel's telling her who uh, her baby boy will be. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is quite a lot to take in, right? The, the promise of the Messiah would be her baby boy. And then Mary has a question. This is the mother's question. This simply, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The, the interesting context to this question is that right before this story is the story of a, the angel Gabriel coming to her, her uncle and aunt, Zechariah and Elizabeth and, and the angel comes to Zechariah and says very similar things um, that him and him and his wife will have a baby and their baby will be the one who, who prepares the way for, Mary's baby Jesus, and and uh, and he says something similar. He says, "How will this be? Me and my wife are are old. We're we're past the age of of childbearing. How's that going to be?" But the angel responds very differently to these two. The angel responds to Zechariah by saying, "I." Gabriel, stand in the presence of God. How is it that you can question me? And he goes, "You're not going to talk for a while because I just you're absurd. Like, I don't even want to. I don't even want to hear the next thing coming out of your mouth. It's just ridiculous, right? And and so that's sort of the. That's not exactly what he said, but but he he says he can't talk for a while. And then and but to Mary he says something very different, right? He says. He explains what's going on. The Holy Spirit will come upon you in the power of the Most High. And I think the difference is this. Even though literally the questions are, are no different in the way they appear, there's a difference in the heart. And, and this is the crazy thing. is someone who's putting conditions in their heart upon their response to God and then the person who has no conditions, their responses, their questions can look very similar. But God does see the heart. And I think for Zechariah, in his heart, he saw him and Elizabeth as has He's like, you know what, angel? If you'd shown up like 20 years earlier, I would have been all sorts of parts of your plan. Like, I, like we would have been awesome, but I don't think you know what you're talking about. Because it would have been cool a long time ago. And I think for a lot of us, we kind of like in our, our minds, we have certain seasons of life for certain things. Steve and Ryu shared, Steve was uh, 50 years old when, when they finally got the call to go to China. And we've talked a little bit about this. He was like, I just never thought God would invite us into that later in life. And, and a lot of us though, we, we think of ourselves like, man, God, I was so, when I first committed to following you, I was so passionate and you could literally, God, you could have asked me to do anything, but now I have a lot of, I have like just a lot of plans. My heart's just different, you know. It's different. I age, you know. Whatever, <laughs> right? And I think that was sort of was going on in Zechariah's heart. They were husbands, where where Mary, they weren't husbands. In her, she was just asking how. Like, it just doesn't. I don't get how this doesn't work because in six months from now I'm getting married, and and it. When a man loves a woman, you know. <laughs> Uh, what the angel says to her is this though, explaining the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you because it's not just going to be an ordinary baby. This is going to be like God's baby, right? This is going to be the son of God. And Mary's response is, uh, if we go on to the next slide, um, it's beautiful because I, I love this. So the way it ends in verse 37, he says, for nothing is impossible with God. And it was sort of this angel seeing Mary's heart. He just got, had to go like, this is what it's going to be. And then I just need to let you know, like Mary, nothing is impossible with God. And, and Mary's response in this unconditional yes is this. It's amazing. Behold, I am your servant. I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. So Mary, being someone who's humble and contrite and trembles at the words of the Lord, when she receives the word of the Lord, which you can do also by just reading the Bible, when she, when she hears the word of the Lord, what she does is she considers it. Is this true? What is it saying? She meditates on it. What is it saying to me? Like, man, even as you read your Bible daily, you can do these same things. What are you, what are you saying to me with this? What does it look like for me to receive this word? that you're giving to me? And then what does it look like for me to obey this word? And and you see all this in the scope of Mary's response to the angel. You know, she's considering it. How's this gonna work? She's meditating on, what does this mean for me? And then she, she just receives it. And this is the most amazing part in her all out, unconditional reception of these words. Let it be according to your word. This is what an unconditional yes means, and this is what it means for Mary, and this is what it can mean for you. An unconditional yes is saying yes to be part in God's great story. I know we all have our own idea of how our stories will go, and we will be tempted because we have a plan. I want to get married younger. I want to have kids at this age. I want to you know, I want this to happen. I want to have this, job. whatever it is, all these ideas we have. And unconditionally, us is saying, God, I want to be part of your great story. And the part I get to play in that, that, that you've prepared says, literally, God has prepared good things in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10, like we are his workmanship, in Christ Jesus for good things and he's inviting us into those things. So an unconditional yes is not going as long as it fits into my pre-existing plan. No, it's saying God, I want to be a part of your story that, that is way before me and is going to be way after me and, and I just get to play a part in that. It's also saying yes to being misunderstood. It's saying yes to the pain. It's saying yes to the shame. Mary was well aware, being just a couple months out from her wedding, that the word God had given to her would bring misunderstanding, would bring shame, and would bring pain. There's no way around that. How is anyone going to believe that an angel had visited her? No one's going to do that. And so so this unconditional yes is saying, yes, and I know I'm going to be misunderstood. Yes, and and I know it's not going to make sense to everybody. Yes, and I know there's going to be pain in that. But yes, I know him who I want magnified in my life. Him who's had this plan and the way the Magnificat ended and you've made a promise to Abraham and his generations forever. And that plan is coming to be. And I get to play a part in that. And and there's gonna be misunderstanding, pain, shame in that as I get to play my role. What does it look like just to say an unconditional yes to that? What does it mean for you, seeing Mary's example, to say an unconditional yes to Jesus. Now, now some of us, I think, discover that this is an unconditional yes that we're saying when we've said we will follow Jesus. A lot of us say yes to following him, but then we're discovering all the conditions we've put on it, right? Man, but I still want to do this, I still want to be this, I still and and God is saying, are you following me? Are you still following your own heart? Are you following me really? Are you, are, you, are you listening to my words? Are you still listening to yourself before you're listening to me? Have you said an unconditional yes? Or are you still putting conditions upon your yes with God? So here's a couple of questions to think about as we end Do you humbly receive the word of God? Do you take his word and you receive it and you go, God, how do I understand this? And then as I'm considering it and meditating on it, how do I respond in obedience to this? Or are we just kind of setting it aside and going, are we those people who are like, whatever I do, God's just like, cool with me? Because that is not living an unconditional, yes. Uh, Is there something God has called you to do that you want to reject? (laughs) Because I, I guarantee you, for Mary, this was not an easy answer. It'd probably have been easy to just go pick somebody else. Right? I don't want that role. But if you say no to the role God's made for you in His story, I tell you what—you're you're not going to like. It's not a choose-your-own-adventure. Right? It's not like, hey, just if you could just leave me for ten years and then just like come back in about ten years and just tell me something—it <laughs> doesn't work like that. What do you think is your role in God's great story? And have you said the unconditional yes to God? And what does that mean for you to say an uncondition- unconditional yes to God? Because in saying that, in that act of absolute surrender, there is both a loss of what you have called self, but a gain of what is your true self. And we see that in Paul where he says, I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but it is Jesus who lives in me. And the life I live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So it is a life both in giving up what we have wanted to be affirmed and confirmed for into a life that is simply being affirmed by the love of God, because we are just, we're going, man, what you say I'm doing, and we get to hear, man, well done, good and faithful servant, and prepare for that invitation, that welcome into his presence one day when he's like, yes, come and enter my rest. So what is your yes this week? Pray with me. Father. Just right now is um even my heart, I think, is wrestling even right now in um I we want things so badly and they look so good, and they just seem like the best way. And Give us hearts to listen, listening hearts. I think of the story of the prodigal son who just like did not listen, did not consider the love of the father, what the father asked, and how it took a long time for the prodigal son to finally come home and just say, just whatever it takes to be in your home and to hear your voice and to, to respond to you, I want to do that. Um, I pray that that right now uh, we will be able to say yes. Maybe it's just to one thing. Maybe there's just a ton of things we're, we're wrestling with, and, and we can just start saying yes, yes, yes. God, I pray that that this church will know it's uh, that yes, as it, personal as it feels. I pray that we'll be good at bearing one another's burdens. When someone's saying yes, that we will, we will just grab their arm and say, "I'm with you. What you're going through, I'm going to go through with you. Just as you've committed yourself to us, not just for the present moment, but for all eternity. Thank you for your eternal love for being our Father. Amen. Refuge Church."